Good Newscast. It's always great to be with you and have you listening. Uh, today we want to talk about something that this is a topic that we come back to a lot. It means a lot to us. Um, but before I throw it to Jeff, just kind of intro like this, I was thinking about this. I listened to a podcast uh, with a former pastor who's coming out with a book about walking with Jesus. And, um, and it kind of made me think of more of a macro thought about what a lot of times I can see in the church. Now, not, not, not all the time, not every local church. I wouldn't even necessarily say that our own local church that we're at uh, necessarily has this, but I do think individually at some level we all can kind of struggle with it. But culturally, just church, regardless of the church, you know, we all know that we are, we're living in a very interesting cultural period that feels very much like a rat race on many levels. So one example is like food. Food is like a massive deal right now. I've noticed regarding um, what we're eating, what we're not eating. Yeah. I was thinking in my head the other day that it was like, it started with like, don't eat cake, like stop eating sugar bread. <laughs> it was like, that makes sense. And then it turned into like, don't eat any bread. Uh, and no, then it was like, hey, true. there's gluten in bread and wherever you find gluten anywhere else, don't eat that. Yeah. And then or this oil. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then there's oils. Don't eat those. And then yeah. it, now it's like, you know what? Just instead of not eating certain foods, just don't eat. Like when you wake up, just take like a vitamin and mm. don't eat till like one or two, you know? So now it's just like, now we're to the like intermittent fasting. fasting. Yeah. So we're just always on this. And then, you know, uh, cold plunging gets huge. And then all of a sudden you add in like sauna. You got a sauna too. Oh, and yeah. We were talking about, this, I was talking about this some with some friends last night. And it was like, and then also like red light therapy, which I don't know what that is, but red light therapy is becoming popular. And one of them joked and was like, who has time to do this? You know? And it, and it's true. It's like who, it's like the only people that have time to do this, like Joe Rogan, Jocko, people that are like millionaires, yeah. Yeah. people run their companies, yeah. you know? But just that health thing, right? Of like, what, like we're dying for like the person who's found the thing, like the next thing that's going to bring you to the next level or not even the next level, <clears throat> excuse me, it's going to make you arrive. Like I've arrived. I, mm. I cold plunge. I red light, I sauna, I nibble on a gluten-free, dairy-free piece of carpet that I found in my house, you know, and like, I'm going to live forever, right? Is that um, what, is that what people are looking for, the living forever? What, what is it? I think it? so. Well, that, that is actually in legitimately like kind of coming into the conversation a little bit yeah. of like, kind of like technology is going to advance to the point where I'm, I think I'm going to, I'm going to try to live till I'm like 120, 130. Right. right? Um, we do this with information too, right? Like all the sources of information is this rat race to go like, what's the next piece of info out there that I need to know. Anyway, with that being said, like, I think that we do, we do that in the church a lot of times with our walk with God, with whether we talk about discipleship or our spiritual life or spiritual formation or all these things that I think that I see in a lot of Christians individually, you can see it in whole churches, sometimes whole church cultures where there's this kind of, I'm always on the edge of my seat for the next thing. Like I haven't arrived. I'm not at the level I want to be. And I'm just like hoping that like one day I might get there and I'm looking for someone, you know, this new book that's coming out or this conference, you know, like Asbury pops. Yeah. You're like, I got to get to Asbury. Cause that's yeah. like the thing that's like gonna, that's what I'm missing, you know, or, uh, the passion conference happens and people are like, Oh, it was so incredible. And like, I think it was revival, you know, and it's like, Oh man, I missed out on that. Like, 
but this guy's coming out with this new book and I'll read that and I'll catch up. And it's just this like rat race where you perpetually feel behind. Hmm. And what you were saying before I throw it to you is like, you know, I think a lot of times it gets down to the fact that on a, we have this, what you will call like a low level fever of just not feeling okay. And I think in our walk with God, a lot of times we just don't feel okay. Yeah. And what that translates into is like, I'm looking for the thing, you know, like I'm looking for, to make me okay, to make me okay, to help me finally arrive, to help me finally catch up. I've fallen so behind. And I think what that can translate into is just this kind of like uh, treadmill lifestyle of go to church, be in a small group, serve on the missions team, take a mission trip in the summer, uh, go to this family camp. I've got to read this book that just came out, but oh no, a new book just dropped that I've got to read. And I'm also trying to work through my Bible in six months plan because Bible in a year is lazy. And I'm also trying to memorize all of Philippians and I'm trying to take notes on at church, you know. Uh, and then I'm trying to apologize to my kids because I yelled at them because they got in the way of all of that, you know, and then almost, I'm trying to fit in like this weekend, quick getaway to go to this conference. Yeah. Try to spend time with my wife, right? Take her on a date. <laughs> um, yeah. And then it's like, oh yeah, I forgot about my wife. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot. Who is she's, she? Yeah. Yeah. Am I married? Existed. So I want to throw it to you to say, yeah. and I'm going to get a drink water is that, um, do you find that to be true with Christians? Number one, um, yeah, do you find that to be true? What do you think the root of that is in all of us that kind of puts us on that treadmill? Yeah, no, I absolutely. Um, I, I, yeah, I remember. I remember a conversation I had with a student uh, when I was in campus ministry, and like he just became a Christian. I think this was at the end of his first year, maybe a year and a half of being a Christian. He legit looks at me and he goes, "You know, before I was a Christian." my life was so easy and uncomplicated. Mm -hmm. And then when I became a Christian, it became so complicated and so hard. And, uh, and I, at that time I, you know, it took me back and I tried to like explain it away. But then I thought about over the years though, I've never forgot that conversation and, uh, and have seen that replicated in my own life and in countless people's over the years of just, you know, that, that spiritual FOMO we talk about, that fear of missing out, and that need to find something that makes me okay, makes me connect with God. Uh, and, you know, we've talked about this in the past, that in the human heart, you have this God-shaped, God-sized hole, right? But if you go a little bit more press into scriptures and try to give some texture or some descriptions of what, what exactly does that God-sized hole look like? I mean, okay, yeah, it needs God, but is there anything in particular, anything uh, with a little more uh, clarity about what that need is? And, and I think if Paul was here, he would say, if he was writing to the church at Galatia and Romans, he says it would be a God-shaped, God-sized justification hole that everybody has this need to actually have God say to them what was said to Jesus when he began his ministry. Uh, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased that we long to be able to know in our bones we're pleasing to God, we're okay with God, but even more than that, that he like accepts us, loves us, approves of us, and 
And some of the prophets would say that he like sings over you and rejoices over you. I mean, if we're honest, I don't know if too many of us actually could say we would, okay, we would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can in one sense say he accepts me, but sing over me, right? <laughs> yeah, rejoice over me. Are you kidding me? I know what I'm like. There's no way. Um, so I think that, that that's a void. That's a hole. And it kind of gets exposed when it seems like maybe somebody else found it. They found that connection. They found that approval. They found that sense of God being really well pleased with them. Mm-hmm. Enough to know that, hey, they connected with God because something's obviously happening over there because God's doing mighty and wonderful things. And we know he only does mighty and wonderful things if he likes you. So if it's moving, if that's a moving experience, it must be because he loves you and he likes you. If I'm having a moving experience because he likes me, mm-hmm. right? He's, he approves of me. I'm okay with him. So you have all these different markers, whether it's maybe it's that book and that person found it or that speaker because he seems to be a good dude and he seems to connect with God and that church because they've got a lot of people and they've got a lot going on, it must be there. So we just were endlessly looking for whatever that strategy, that form, that marker that says you're okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems to be the case. That seems to be true. So to ask you a question, and then I'll, I'll kind of give my thoughts on this too, but if a new Christian were to come up to you today <clears throat> and go like, hey, you know, I just became a believer <clears throat> and I've heard of this thing like walking with God and relationship with God, what should I do this week, you know, or today or, you know, the next seven days, let's say, what should I do? to walk with God, you know, what would advice, direction would you give them? I got two thoughts. One is it made me think of, all right, already this week I've had two conversations just this week where where the persons literally said, and I I know that because I remember feeling it. They said, "If, if God does love me, and I am acceptable to him, and I am okay, then what in the world and how in the world do I now live? Mm -hmm. Literally say that. Like, in other words, um, my life is all about running the treadmill. Mm -hmm. My life is all about performing. Do you remember the the story with Elijah with the priests and... Elijah's calling down fire Mm -hmm. and God shows up in fire at a sacrifice. But the prophets of Baal, they were dancing to get their God to finally Mm -hmm. respond to them, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, the story was they danced for a while and their God never showed up. They kept Mm -hmm. dancing for him, dancing for him. Well, then they started cutting themselves and it just got more and more Mm -hmm. extreme. They were doing more and more performing for their God to show up. And I feel like that's us. That's the church. That's... Mm -hmm. We're all dancing, performing, cutting ourselves in all kinds of ways to get God to finally show up. Mm -hmm. But he only shows up in sacrifice, Mm -hmm. and he shows up by grace in his son, right? Mm -hmm. So what happens, though, when you take that away? What happens when you say, you know, that's really not how you live life? Well, then how how do I live it? 
And when I had this conversation, it, it's like, you can live your life trying to get God to love you and accept you, or you can live your life because he loves and accepts you. But what do, how do you live that way? How do you do prayer because he loves and accepts you? How do you do church because he loves and accepts you? How do you do a marriage because he loves and accepts you? How do you do parenting because he loves and accepts you? How do you do your mission and your vocation in life because he loves and accepts you? I know how to do it to get him to love and accept me. I don't know the other. And uh, that, that's a scary thing. So the second question is, how do you grow in walking with God? I think first, it's actually settling that um, over and over again. Luther would say it, uh, church historians would say it, that when real revival broke out and real uh, renovation of Christianity broke out, it was people actually beginning to believe in justification. And not just to connect with God for the first time, but to live the Christian life. And so I think there's this sense of if living by faith in Jesus and his salvation for you as a Christian, because he loves me and accepts me, kind of settling that. And even though you don't know what that means and you don't fully understand what that looks like in your marriage, just recognizing that that's true is a good first step. You were going to say something. Well, this is a side note, but um, I was looking for it. Doesn't Elijah say um, to those prophets of Baal when they're dancing and trying to get their God to respond, like, hey, maybe he's sleeping? <laughs> yeah. Doesn't he say that? Yeah, and then he says, maybe he's on the on the can. Yeah. Yeah. We need to restore that kind of, that kind of thing. Like, yeah. I mean, this is one of God's prophets going like, hey, you know, like maybe he's just in the bathroom, you yeah. know, like I feel like today we'd be like, oh, that's not kind, you know, yeah. um, but it's so like revealing of the truth, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, that like cutting. And it's also helpful. I mean, seriously. It is. If you're, if I'm, you know, it's that whole thing when Luther was down and mourning and moping and then he looks at his wife katie and she's dressed all in black and he goes who died what funeral are we going to and she says well god must have because look at you mm-hmm. that there's just yeah and he woke up yeah and i wonder yeah. i wonder if there were anyone in israel that woke up when they realized yeah we're dancing yeah and is our god in the outhouse right. you know is right. he in the bathroom right well, I mean, I think even even a way of talking about walking with God, it's like sometimes the the direction we can get in Christianity for walking with God can kind of almost we almost need that kind of response, like, hey, um, hey, you're doing all of this stuff, and yet you still don't feel okay. You yeah. still don't feel close to God. But hey, maybe he's just in the bathroom. Maybe that's the problem, right? And it cuts to the truth of reality. Yeah. Or maybe your thinking is wrong. Like maybe what you're believing about your God, about this God of the Bible, and how you get his attention and how you get close to him, maybe it's all wrong, right? Maybe you should rethink all of this, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I think 
a lot of times, almost ironically, I think sometimes we think like, man, how did like in all of this like treadmill rat race we're in to like get to the next level and arrive and finally feel like we've arrived with God and arrived as Christians. And a lot of times we'll use the New Testament as like in, in what we're doing here is we're just trying to get back to the New Testament, right? But I've read the New Testament, uh, at least at least half of it by now. And uh, I'm just kidding. I've read all of it. Uh, I've read it. And you don't come away from the New Testament going like, whoa, this is so, this walking with God thing is so, um, you know, mysteriously complex and like, whatever, you know, for sure you come away with like a God who is mysteriously wild and yeah. unbelievable and power and glory. Of course, that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. When you think about your walk with God, when you think about the New Testament, you know, if like a new Christian were to say like, what do I do this week? You know? Um, and they're like, I heard there's this conference coming up and I've heard this guy put out a great book and I heard there's this great podcast I should be listening to. And then Tim Keller's sermons are archived and maybe I shouldn't start getting on those. And, you know, just all this, I'd be like, Hey, you should probably not think about any of that. And probably this week you should like exactly what you said every night, assume you forget the gospel, assume when you go to sleep, it just kind of leaks and drains out of you and you just kind of forget it a little bit and you forget that you're accepted by God in Christ. Because when you wake up, whether you realize, if you don't assume that, you're going to miss the fact that you kind of did. You're going to kind of wake up with a low-level sense of like, am I still okay with God today? Does yeah. he still forgive me? Does yeah. he still love and accept me and and even like me? And um, So wake up and go right back to Jesus. And in doing that, what you're doing is rather than looking for a sign out there, the next revival, the next book, the next podcast— you're going back to the sign, the sign of the cross that, yes, all my sins have been paid for. I'm completely loved and accepted. Um, Jesus rose from the dead for me. You know, I, I think about this a lot every time Easter rolls around. Easter Sunday has such like a special um, kind of vibe and energy to it that morning. People dressed and dress in like colorful T-shirts and and everyone seems so joyful and lighthearted that day. Yeah. Why is that? Well, because they know it's like we're celebrating the resurrection. And every Easter I go, man, personally and for us, this should be what every Sunday is like. Yeah. Like every single Sunday together and even every day personally, I should wake up and go, oh my goodness, he's, he rose from the dead. Yeah. Everything's okay. <laughs> Everything's okay. Uh-huh. Um, so anyway, going back to that. Yeah. But then... To me, going back to the basics, before we hit record, I was saying, you know, a lot of what, there's a big response, I think, now to the rat race regarding food and diet and health and social media and information chasing. And a lot of it's like you're seeing so much more of people who maybe grew up in the city or the suburbs, like myself even, going, man, I really would love to get away from all this and get a couple acres and like grow a garden and have my own chickens and make my own bread and it's kind of like this returning to the basics um, where you can get lost in the complexities of talking about diet and dopamine releases. And it's like, how about I'm going to just make my own bread, you know? Yeah. And I feel like Christianity and Christians need a lot of that as well of like, of going, hey, it's okay. It's okay if you don't read a book this year. 
Like that's okay. It's yeah. it's okay if you don't read the next book because guess what? Next year there's going to be twelve new ones. You know, <laughs> in that hot book <laughs> right. that's going around right now, nobody's going to remember the title or the author in no. two months. Yeah, it's not. It's statistically probably not going to be a historical classic. You know, yeah. Uh, there's going to be more next year. It's okay if you don't read a book. It's okay if you don't do the Bible in a year. Remember, the early Christians didn't have their own personal Bibles. It's okay. It's okay if you don't podca- do a single Christian podcast, listen to a single sermon that you downloaded. Um, this is what I would do if you're a new, a new Christian's asking me, and I would say it to a 30-year-old Christian. I'd go, this week, over the next seven days, get into the Bible. Read a little bit of the Bible. Read a lot of the Bible. Just get into it. Pray every day. You know, and if you're like, I would love to wake up early and just set aside time to pray, great. You know, and then if you're like, dude, my kid is waking up for two hours every night, screaming his head off, and I can't get out of bed in the morning. You know, uh, I I don't even see straight until ten, until the caffeine kicks in. <clears throat> Survive. You know, try to love your spouse and your kids in the craziness in the morning fit in prayers throughout the day, pray, mm-hmm. talk to God. He's not going like, oh, you didn't have your quiet time this morning. Like, I'm not interested in what you have to say the rest of the day. Yeah. Just pray. When do I pray? I don't know. Just pray. Yeah. Go for it. Try it. When you're driving, whatever. And then when Sunday rolls around, to a certain degree, come hell or high water, I mean, if you have the flu, no, but come hell or high water, <laughs> go to church. Yeah. Right? And we were talking about this Uh, earlier with our staff that like the church does a lot of things, small groups, outreach ministry, all this kind of stuff. We can cancel all of it for the most part. Like as a church, it would not be sinful for us to say we're done with small group ministry. It would be sinful for us to say we're done with Sunday worship. So go to a Bible believing gospel preaching church every week. It's just a part of your, yes, you're going to miss Sundays. It's going to happen, whatever. But that's your life. Isn't like that, you go to work on Monday and more importantly, you go to church on Sunday. Isn't that interesting? Cause I mean, we talked about this in our staff today that, that the church service Sunday is the only ordained ministry that God's given us right, right to do. And yet today the church talks like going to church is the most minimal thing you do. For sure. And it's like, not a big deal and it's like yeah 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 but are you doing this 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 yeah, this this yeah. this and this right are you yeah fully devoted follower of jesus whatever that means are you completely surrendered are you involved in the accountability group are you involved in the life group system yeah. are you a, you know and it's but it's just so fascinating to me that that that's the only thing so maybe maybe if our expectations changed and church became this divine event where he where God breaks in this mm-hmm. world realm and reaches you and renews you, that we would have a different expectation. Yeah. Um, Cause that's, that's how yeah. we, I mean, just as you said that I may realize that's how the, a lot of Christians talk about their personal quiet time. Like that's where God breaks in. Right. And church on Sunday is more of like this foundational getting me to that point um, hmm. where God is actually moving. Yeah. And so it's the, if you look at the new Testament and this is acts, right? They were gathered together for prayers and scripture and breaking bread. 
what were the early Christians doing? They came to faith in Christ, and then they were like, all right, let's worship God together, and yep. let's pray together, you know? And so as a new Christian, it's like, go to church, you know? And even during the week, like, call someone and grab lunch with another Christian, yeah. you know, that you know or that you want to become friends with. Whether it's one Christian, whether it's like, oh, my church has this thing called small groups and community groups, and I'll go check out one of those. Yeah. What are you doing there? You're just literally trying to uh, build relationships and friendships with other Christians yep. because you're not an independent, isolated human being. You're not made for that. Read your Bible, meditate on Scripture, uh, pray, go to church. And you notice too, it, it, if that is the case, like say you start with this this sense of you're justified, you believe the gospel daily, right? You, it's like it's true. Like act like it's true. Believe it. Like it's true. Right. He does love me. He does accept me. This is the engine for my life. And imagine though the freedom that can be yours and the peace that can be yours to actually do the other hard things of life and endure the other hard things of life. But let's say that the God shaped or the justification shaped justification sized hole in your soul is not settled and everything is falling into that void uh the convert the difficult conversation with your spouse falls into that void the child keeping you up all night falls into that void uh, the discontent that you feel at your job falls into that void mm -hmm you have just compounded your suffering in life. Mm -hmm. And not only that, you have no way to even handle and deal with life because the justification-sized hole and shaped hole in your soul is pulling everything into mm -hmm. its galaxy. Mm -hmm. And uh, But if, if it is true that you don't have to worry about any spiritual FOMO, you don't have to worry about you've missed out on something that Jesus has not missed out on anything for you. He's done everything that ever needed to be done. Uh, he's achieved and accomplished and performed and purchased and secured everything that ever needed to be done. You're okay. Now you need to learn how to live in grace. Now you have to learn to live by not dancing and performing and running the treadmill. Uh, that's a, that's a freeing way to live. That's the, that's the land of peace, be still, and a great calm came upon the mm -hmm. storm. And then you even have some endurance and some energy, maybe even some perspective of when you're in those harder moments because you're more resilient. You're not devastated already, personally and relationally. You have a little more reserve to be able to maybe not respond angrily <laughs> in a situation or whatever. Yeah. But you start living those moments actually become your mission. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's all of a sudden, Oh, just normal, ordinary life is a call and a mission. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly what I'm thinking this whole time. Cause I can, I know, you know, an objection to maybe some of these like macro thoughts is, yeah, but like, what about good works? And what about doing this, this, and this, and my church is doing this mission trip and they're also doing this outreach. And I just feel like, I've got to be involved in all of it, right? And then you hear this in the church all the time, especially from pastors, where you you sacrifice the most important things, and by I mean like most important things to God, even uh, at the altar of thinking that like this mission trip is 
the most important thing. All the while, your marriage is suffering, your kids are suffering, you're angry with them all the time because they're getting in the way of, you know, your spouse or your kids are getting in the way of... Uh, you spiritually improving or you achieving yeah, or yeah. experiencing God and getting his blessing yeah. or getting his happiness or whatever. I can't, I mean, this is an extreme example, but it's like, oh, I can't cut away this weekend to get to Asbury or the, uh, the, uh, passion conference because oh, I've got kids and a wife, yeah. you know? But then when I look at the, when I look at my life, I'm like, it'd be a huge win if I get to the end of my life, you know? And if what can be said about me is, he trusted Jesus till the end. Um, he loved his wife, you know, and really, really better yet. Like his wife loved him all the way to the end, you know, uh, uh, she didn't want to kill him. She didn't kill him. You know, uh, that would be a, you know, the evidence, the evidence shows it wasn't her, you know, uh, his kids loved him. Yeah. Um, he helped people. Like yep. he was the kind of guy, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking this out loud, but it's like, uh, no, he, he didn't, he didn't go start a revival in Ghana. He did not do that. Yep. But if someone in his church approached him and needed anything, piece of advice, uh, you know, I've got no money, you know, this member in the church is like, I've got no money and, and, uh, we're struggling. I'm trying to figure out what to do. And we've got utility bills coming up he was the kind of guy that might just pay that bill to get them through the month and take that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he wasn't extravagantly generous, but like if I get to the end and people would say like, he was generous, you know, he was willing to give money, time, energy to just help the people right in front of him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would much rather them say that than like, uh, his marriage was kind of rocky. His kids didn't really respect him, but dude, he read every book out there on theology yeah he went to every conference he was always doing mission trips but like the people immediately immediately in his life i mean you know he was all right i would much rather be like i don't do any of that other stuff but my family my church family my close friends the people i do business with the people at my gym uh would go like yeah he was loving yeah he was kind he was respectful you know he he told the truth you know, he wasn't afraid to tell the yeah. truth about Jesus. I'm like, that, that'd, that'd be nice. Wouldn't it? If that's like what was said at my funeral. Yeah. So anyway, I'm feeding yeah. that to you to say that if you do my funeral, <laughs> you know, there's a couple bullet points. There, yeah, I got it, but I was taking notes. All right, we're at the 30 minute mark. I'm sure that if you're listening, you're the last one. Uh, so <laughs> we appreciate you, you singular, uh, making it to the end. <laughs>